And on these marathons, it's crazy because people are out in front of their houses handing out food. Like they're handing out mimosas and beer and uh, <laughs> donuts and it's for the walkers. It's crazy. And I guess – and the first, first time I was like, sweet, free food. I'll just take everything. Um, but this time I was – I followed the mantra, nothing new on race day. And that's what I kept reading over and over again. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything new outside of what I trained. I'm just going to stick with it. And so uh, by the end, yeah, it, it, the method proved itself. Um, and I walked away from it going, you know what? It was totally my fault before. And there are ways to do this to feel really good at the end. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hey, what is going on? And welcome to another Strong by Design podcast. My name is Jared Haley, hosting for the first time today. Really excited to be with you all. Uh, if you haven't already done so, give us a five-star, you know, review because you think that we're awesome otherwise uh just listen and enjoy really there's no pressure there but hey man it's really good to be with you guys today i'm excited to have a good friend of mine dave frazier is on uh with me today dave and i go way back to our college years uh when we were uh in a band together the notorious married spud uh you know feel free to go check them out (laughs) that was a, a, a terrible uh it's actually a really, really, really good, fun time. And Dave is currently uh, pastoring at a church in Miami, Oklahoma. And you've been, how long have you been there, Dave? We've been here 15 years now. Oh, man. You've been there forever. I feel like I, I, yeah. I'm all over the place and every, you know, Dave's the grounded one between the two of us, I guess. <laughs> you know, I can't sit still. I, just, I, I uh, fear change and I fear, uh, <laughs> I fear, uh, I'm, I'm risk averse at life. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so much has happened and so much has gone on in the 15 years that you've been there. And I know that you've been through uh, a lot of lifestyle changes. You guys, uh, you have three kids. Um, and how old's your oldest now? Cadence is 15. That's how I remember how long oh my we've gosh. been in Miami. We moved like two weeks after she was born. Oh my goodness. Holy cow, 15. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, 15, I think I saw some- 15 13, and 12. Oh my goodness! And she's—I think she's got her permit now. Yep, yep. She's oh uh, nearly a licensed driver, and so it's you know everybody got to watch out. She does a great job. Though. That's right. She's she's yeah, a yeah, rule follower, good. and I'm grateful for that. Unless we're in a hurry, then it's like okay, you're yes. not going to drive today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that my wife does the same thing to me, so I think that that's fair. <laughs> yeah, get out. I'm driving. Uh, no, it, it's good. Uh, I mean, uh, I know that uh, you guys have been uh, through all kinds of different stuff in, in regards to fitness, and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Excited to hear a little bit about your, your fitness journey, both you and your wife, Megan. I know that she's uh, kind of gone through uh, a lot of uh, fitness changes and things along, along those lines as well. Uh, something that actually inspired me a long time ago to get into photography uh, is watching Megan because she was uh, starting to, to do her own uh, photography studio and different things along those lines. But I know recently that's changed for her, right? Uh, she's no longer has the photography studio, but she's doing other stuff. What what all is Megan up to these days? Yeah, so she she started uh, getting into photography. I mean, she she always loved it, and then um, once we started having kids, it was like, boy, getting photos taken is expensive, and so it was like, well, right. let's just figure out how to do it ourselves. And she has a great eye for it, and spent, I mean, probably last six or seven years was pretty well full time on that as well as taking care of, you know, raising kids and being involved in their schools and stuff. And, um, but let's see, it was, it was, uh, it's been longer than that, but it was in about 2016, um, a local or a gym owner that we knew from another town moved to Miami and, and brought his gym here. And so she was day one, the personal training client. And, um, it was like, you know, she was always an athlete when she was younger. And then as we had kids and, and were, you know, growing our family and stuff, um, she was so focused and and doing that so well, um, that she just didn't quite have the outlet or the opportunity to take care of herself in that way. 
And so when she started doing that, started training, um, there was that she trained for a while and then she got her nutrition dialed in and then a lot began to happen for her. She lost a bunch of weight and just her confidence grew and, um, she just kind of found a love for that in the competitive side of her and just her athletic inner self kind of came back. And uh, so that's been really fun to watch her do that. So now, um, the, you know, the balance has really shifted to where she's doing, I mean, she's training clients from 630 in the morning to like 230 in the afternoon every weekday. And so um, she's doing that a whole lot. And she's, she's backing off on photography quite a bit, because the schedule works a lot better with our family. You know, when when I'm home from work, and the kids are home from school, that's typically when she'd have to go take photos. And so now, it is it's more beneficial for us that she would be home in the evenings and and so we can do family stuff and so um she's really made that shift and i'm just really proud of her for uh, leaning into it and she's always loved people and making a difference and so with her training i mean she's experienced a lot of transformation with her clients and that brings her a lot of joy and so she's making a really big difference doing that so that and that kind of yeah. got our whole family into it, you know, hooked up at the mm-hmm. gym and and working out and having that be a priority for us, and and so mm-hmm. it's just been a really cool cool journey. Yeah, and when a mama changes the nutrition, it changes the nutrition for everybody. Uh huh, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, what sure. kinds of things? I'm just curious. I mean, uh, we we are kind of going through our own. Uh, you know, transformation uh, of what we're eating and trying to, to be smart about what we're eating. I'm curious, uh, what what kind of major changes uh, did you did she do and are you doing? So one of the biggest things was paying attention to our macronutrients. And, um, you know, we, we always heard or the common, conventional wisdom is, you know, calories in, calories out. If you want to lose weight, you just got to burn more calories than you consume. And that's true. Like that's the science side of it. But there's also ways that you can hack that a little bit more by paying attention to your your balance of macronutrients. And so that's proteins, uh, carbohydrates, and fats and, and the balance, the percentages of those that you're consuming within that caloric intake. And so one of the biggest things was just eating more protein, you know, um, as we've as we've grown in this and, you know, followed all kinds of uh, different, you know, coaches, nutritional coaches, um, trainers, things like that, um, the really kind of the sweet spot seems to be trying to eat at least your body weight in grams of protein, um, per day. which when you start tracking per day, when you start tracking that, oh my gosh, it's so much protein. Um, and when we go, you know, when we eat places, um, you're typically, you're not going to get that much and protein's expensive. You know, when you're talking a bunch of beef, uh, it's pricey. And so it's way easier to have processed foods or to have, you know, carbs lying around and, and fill up on those kinds of things. But the more, you know, that's going to, that, that is going to aid in building lean muscle mass. And so the more muscle mass you have, the more efficient you can burn fat. And so, um, we tried it, we've tried to balance keeping our caloric intake, uh, at a, somewhat of a deficit for, uh, portion of the time, you know, and then balancing that with trying to eat in a little bit of a surplus at different times to try to gain more muscle. Um, but always trying to, you know, uh, dial that in a little bit, um, and make sure that you're getting enough protein to build that muscle. Um, and then also eating enough, eating, eating enough carbs to have the energy to work out and live life. And, you know, we really look at it like it's a functional thing. We're trying to live a great life and be active with our family and, and in our community, and and if we're fueling our body properly, then that's going to ha- happen a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's interesting with protein. I know uh, as Christiana, she's been doing uh, a, a detox and and working on getting you know eating correctly and things like that. And it's interesting how even with protein. Um, it helps with your hunger cravings and your that hunger curve, right? Where uh, if you're eating a bunch of you know, you could get full, but then you find yourself hungry again in an hour. Where if you're eating enough protein, uh, you know, it helps curve that. You know, especially at night, I think, you know, eat enough protein at night, you're not having that hunger strike at 9 o'clock before you're ready to go to bed, um, which is a terrible time to eat. Unless, I don't know, I, I'm, all, I'm trying to gain weight, and so 
anytime I can eat, I'm eating. You know, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put it in, and uh, it's fun because a couple of the uh, the guys here, Chris and Mike, you know, uh, they'll offer to bring me like a burrito during the day, and uh, they'll say, "What burrito do you want?" I said, "Whatever is gonna make me fatter." <laughs> you know, um, so so they're they're helping do their part and, oh, and bulking me up for Thanksgiving, but uh, you know, it, it's really really awesome. So. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, that, uh, I know uh, that. Go ahead. Well, I was saying a, a big part of um, our transformation as a family is readjusting our relationship with food. Um, sometimes there's this, you know, this almost toxic relationship with food where either you're obsessive and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I ate a giant burrito, so I've got to go do three hours of cardio, um, and you look at things as like punishment, you know, or you can say food is just fuel, you know, and if I want to just like when I fuel my car, I want to put good fuel in it to make it run properly. Um, I just and, want uh, cheap fuel. So I wanna... <laughs> well, these days, right? Right. <laughs> and maybe if I'm driving like uh, another car, somebody else's fancy car or something. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, just having a healthy relationship with food um, is, a, is a game changer that it's just fuel. And it tastes good. For sure. If it, when, when cooked properly. <laughs> that's right. No, that, that's actually been a big piece of it. Uh, this program that Christiana's in is like, if you don't enjoy what it tastes like, you're not going to eat it. Uh, and so they're all about, you know, make it taste good. Like, don't, don't feel like you have to eat plain chicken and rice with no seasoning because you're going to get bored mm-hmm. of it and you're going to quit and you're just going to go back to what you're doing before. And so uh, Christiana's had a lot of fun with uh, just experimenting with flavors and spices and, you know, seasonings and different things like that. And she always does an amazing job. She has an, an incredible palate anyway. Um, and so then it's she she gets to kind of play and toy with things and uh, we're all we're all eating better because of it. So it's a good thing. That's awesome. But uh, I know, uh, so Megan's, Megan changed, and uh, obviously, like I said, a lot of times some of that stuff will spark with, with our spouses, but uh, it, it was a big deal for you, too, to, to, to start changing uh, how you were taking care of yourself as well. When did you start really uh, diving into fitness? Was that around the same time, or did it take a little bit? So... You know, I um, so you started in 2016, and I was actually in the process of training for a marathon at the time. So I, I was, I've always been pretty decent, I guess, since like my 20s or whatever, at just endurance stuff. So long distance running was a thing that I was was decent at, and I thought, well, hey, I've you know, I'd run six miles. I go, well, maybe I could run a little further. And then um, a friend of ours, Adam Monahan, uh, was was an ultra marathoner and was one that was encouraging, uh, encouraging me to run further and further. And so I finally signed up for my first marathon in 2016. And, um, so that was like, just to clarify, a marathon is how long? 26.2 miles. Okay. Got it. It's a long ways. Got it. Continue. Uh, Yes. I, I, I signed up for my first marathon and so I was training for that and it was like, um, it was spring of 2017, I think, something like that. And so she started uh, in 2016, but I was still training. So I was like, well, I don't want to start working out and get off my training plan. So I'll wait till I'm done with the marathon and then I'll, then I'll jump in at the gym. Um, and now you got to understand, I was the kid in high school that I was familiar with the, with the weight room. But I was the guy who was dodging the coach. Like I was like trying to get by with the least amount of work possible. My brother was the athlete. He was the one tearing it up in the weight room and taking creatine and getting massive, you know. And I was like just like trying to hide out so I could go play rock and roll with my friends later on. And so um, I didn't have like this great confidence going into a gym. Um, I was a little intimidated by it. But – once I got started, um, we do group fitness, uh, which it's like CrossFit based stuff, but it's not a CrossFit affiliate. So it's very, it's functional fitness and it's in a group class and, um, just found myself, uh, in 2017 starting to work out and just really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed how I felt, um, enjoyed the people, like the community side of it was a huge thing. Um, and then the discipline of it, like I, I am a fan of being disciplined in things, um, cause it's not natural to me. 
Um, but when I have a goal or I have people expecting something of me, I do a lot better. And so, um, it was, it was at that point that I started working out there. Um, and then, you know, I, I think it was probably around the same timeline that when Megan got serious about her nutrition, um, we started doing that as well. Um, and so I ran the marathon 2016, then I ran another one in 2018. Um, and it was different at that point because I had this group fitness thing. And so I didn't really want to get away from that. So I'd have to kind of, you know, I wouldn't go work out. So I would have to try to get my miles in for my training plan for, for the race. And it just, I missed the group fitness stuff. So I didn't train very well for that. I didn't get all the miles in that I really should have because I just wanted to be back with the group. Um, and I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit about how that race went. It didn't go very well. Uh, yeah. little, you know, side note there, but, um, but yeah, so we got really, even today, I mean, I went this morning, uh, to our, our group fitness class and, um, really, really enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Uh, first of all, in high school, I never went into a, a gym, so at least you were there. So, you know, that's a, that's a plus. Uh, I, I was yeah. terrified to lift because I was, especially in high school, I was tiny, you know? And so you'd have these guys lifting, you know, huge amounts of weights or whatever. And I'm like, I hope I can lift up the bar, you know? And that's embarrassing. You know, nobody wants to go to the gym and yeah. uh, be, the, be the guy that everyone's watching how terrible your form is and, and telling, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, smirking or laughing or whatever you know and so it's easier just not to do it and not to go and i'm actually disappointed now that i've gotten more into it uh i feel like you know i was an athlete and i was naturally good at things but i i could have been that much better if i would have put in the time to to lift a little bit i just think uh even playing soccer in college having a little bit more muscle you know to to move around in the box and do different things you know I, I, it would have benefited me but uh i was too afraid uh to even approach it and some guys did go i mean we had like a little I think a little makeshift gym at, at, at Barkley, but uh, that people would go lift at. But I, I wouldn't dare go, you know, because it was an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess maybe that's an encouragement of anybody listening is that you got to start somewhere. I thought, you, you know, something that you said is, you know, once you get into it it, it, it really starts to change your perspective on things. And you realize people aren't as scary as you thought they were maybe. Um, and then you do start to get that accountability. You know, you start to get that community that I think is, is really important. And so, um you know, I'm glad that you touched on that too. And I'm curious if you can just tell me, I mean, so uh, I know that you've ran three total marathons and you've trained a little bit different for each marathon. Um, and so I have no idea when it, I mean, I run for, if I'm playing a sport, I'm happy to go run and pay attention to whatever else is going on, but running just to run and my goal of being able to run a further distance, it's never been appealing to me. So I have no idea what even goes into, okay, I'm training for a marathon what do I do? Uh, so maybe you can just start at the beginning with how did you originally start training for marathons? So that's a good question. Uh, my first, my first race in 2016, um, I was just running a lot. I had no ambition of running a race. Um, and I was just, we were at a youth pastors conference in, or like a retreat in, uh, Osage beach, Missouri. And our friend Adam was there and he, um, him and I went out to run and there was this like brand new highway that had just been paved and wasn't open yet. And so we're running, everybody's like shopping at this outlet mall and him and I went for a run and, and it was the coolest experience running on a brand new paved highway with no cars around. And that was like the furthest I'd ever run. I think it was like six and a half miles or something like that. And I just, like I was saying, I just kind of pushed myself to go, Hey, I wonder if I could run a little bit further. And I, you know, had a crazy thought if I could run this far, then I guess I'll keep on going. And so um, that was, um, you know, something that, that I thought, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm good, then I could just kind of keep increasing. And, and, uh, the recommendation is to add about 10% to your distance every week. And so I just try to keep adding 10% to my distance. And now, um, that first marathon, I'd run a half marathon a while before that. Um, that's 26.2 really divided by two. That's two. Yeah, 12.1. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I, you know, uh, I just got into it. And, um, as I kept increasing my distance, uh, the first one I was, I was younger, you know, I mean like mid twenties is a different story, uh, or I guess early thirties is a different story than late thirties. And I still had, and, and I, I wouldn't want to admit that until now, until I've experienced this, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, what's the difference. Um, and so I could just push my mileage and ended up running really well. That first marathon, I ran the whole thing except for at mile 25, I stopped and walked for like a quarter of a mile. And that was my big thing. I was like, I want to run the whole thing. Um, and not everybody does that. Some people will do a run walk method and they alternate between those, but I wanted to do that. Well, I got to mile 25 and I just, I couldn't hang on anymore and didn't really know the course very well. Didn't know if I was getting close to the end and then, um, finished it. I mean, with a really respectable time, it was like four fifteen or something like that, four hours and 15 minutes. Um, and so, you know, it was just keep, keep going, keep going read a lot of articles. Um, and you've got to fuel properly while you're training and, and while you're on the course and stuff like that. But the prep what for is, a marathon, what is, fu- what is fueling properly for a marathon? So, on a marathon, you got to have carbohydrates, like fast-acting carbohydrates um, every 45 minutes to an hour or so because your muscles have glycogen stores, and that's what, that's what your energy comes from. And so every – they say in 45 minutes to an hour of sustained exercise, then those glycogen stores are depleted. And so you got to fill them back up again to keep going. And um, so they have these packets. They're called GU, G-U, um, and it's like – just like they have random flavors and you just keep them in your pocket and you just squirt them in. It's almost like a soft serve kind of a texture. Um, they're not very tasty, uh, but it gives you just enough energy to keep going. Um, and so that's a common, common thing that's used. And so um, I would train with those when I, I found a training plan online and it was like a 18 week training plan or something where you're running five, you know, five or six days a week. Um, with a rest day, two rest days built in and your Saturdays are your long runs and you increase the distance uh, methodically, but you're running, you know, three to five miles for the first quarter of the plan and a day, you know, in the week, the first couple of weeks. And then you increase to five to eight miles a day in those middle ones. And then the end, you're supposed to taper down a little bit. Um, so I just, you know, that's, it's running a lot. Um, I'll get there's more detail later on, but um, getting your fueling strategy figured out, you know, what am I going to, am I going to eat goo? How am I going to drink? How much water am I going to consume? How am I going to replace electrolytes and things like that? So you kind of think through all that stuff and there's tons of resources online. Um, And so my first one, I was young and didn't have to stretch, didn't have to think about much. I just got out and ran. Um, other than hearing other people that had run marathons that said, Hey, you got to make sure you're fueling, um, every 45 minutes or so. I was like, okay, I can do that. And so that was basically the guidance that I had run a lot of miles and make sure that you have something to, uh, replenish your sugars, you know? Um, and, and that was it. And it worked really well the first time. Um, second time though, uh, it was 2018. And so I guess we'll kind of just get into that story because sure. this was kind of what, was the springboard for making me want to run it again uh, this year. It was the Oklahoma City Marathon, and it's a huge race. I mean, it's like 20,000 of my closest friends packed in by the memorial, the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a race to remember kind of a thing. And so in training for that one, I probably did a 15 to 18-week training plan um, and just kind of tried to increase my mileage and thought I've always been the kind of guy that's like, well, if they say you should run 10 miles, I'd figure 12 is probably good. Um, and so I just kept going and, and I wanted to see if I could, you know, really, if I could really do, um, do that distance well. And so it was like a couple of weeks before the race and I ran 24 miles or something like that. And as I've learned, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to hit your peak at like 21 miles three weeks before the race and then taper back do like 13 the next week and then eight the next week and then it's race week um for your long runs but i was dumb i was like i'm just gonna push it and on those long runs at like mile 18 i bonked and that's you know it's a funny word but it's a it's an official term where it's like you hit a wall and it's like i'm not gonna make it and so um 
I wasn't in, I wasn't in good shape. I was heavy. I was like running at 220 pounds, which they say you absorb, your joints absorb uh, three times your body weight on each impact. And so um, I was doing some damage to myself on that. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was in bad shape. Didn't, didn't run properly. Um, didn't think about what I was eating because there's this weird thing that when you run for, you know, three hours and you think, Oh my gosh, I've just burned 1500 calories. I'm going to go eat whatever I want. And so, yeah, you can have the calories, but you're not, if you're not feeding yourself properly, then you're not going to get uh, the quality food that's actually going to heal you and help you be stronger and better for the next time you run. So my training was bad. Um, like I said earlier, I wanted to be back in my group fitness classes. So I would do those some and, and not really get my mileage in. I'd sleep in instead of get up and run. And it was just, it was bad deal. And um, what did you eat at the end of it then? At the end of the race? Yeah. Oh man. So when you cross the finish line, they're shoving food in your face. There's like all these food options. So, you know, of course there's bananas and water, but then there's like Carl's Jr. cheeseburgers. I'm like, sweet, I'll eat that too. And then there's like <laughs> chocolate milk. Yeah, I'll drink that. And there's Gatorade. I mean, I was eating everything and I felt like garbage like yeah. two days after the race. I'm, like, I'm miserable right now. Awesome. It was so bad. So, oh, so bad. Why didn't that but, picture so at hit the Insta? End of that, right, I know, exactly. At the end of that, I just was like, no one should ever run this distance. Like, this is a dumb idea that anybody would be out and do this to their body because it must be the race's fault. It's got to be this distance that is the problem. And I lived I lived that lie for four years, you know, or three and a half years mm-hmm. or whatever. And, uh, and then I was, uh, you know, I'm susceptible to marketing emails just like everybody is, I guess. And so I got an email from a, a, an active wear like clothing company that they had a video uh, on this guy talking about how to prepare for a marathon. And there, I guess there was always that thing in my mind, like, I like the challenge. I want to do, you know, find something to push myself or whatever. So I watched the video and it was a performance chef in New York City. He's from Australia. His name's Dan Churchill. Um, has a podcast called The Epic Table. Um create like super great uh social content i really like him a lot but in this video he kind of outlined proper nutrition proper hydration training plans uh and how to have a great race day and it got me thinking like i sat on it for a few days and thought you know what i don't think it was the race's fault i think it was my fault that i didn't do it right and so I made the decision. It was like, uh, I don't know, it was last summer, I think, or maybe last fall. I thought, you know what? I need to give it another try um, and see if I can redeem the experience, but I'm going to do it very differently. Um, and so uh, at the same time, our, our gym has been transitioning to having a lot more guys that are doing, guys and girls doing bodybuilding competitions. Um, and while I have zero desire to do any of that, I don't have the physique for it or the DNA for it, but, um, I don't think that, I mean, there was something fascinating to me about having this window where you're doing everything you, everything you eat, everything you do is building towards this goal of peaking at the right time and whether it's competition or a race or whatever. And so I thought I, I can do 12 weeks, you know, 12 weeks of dedication is not too bad. I can do it. And so I went online and found a 12 week race plan or training plan. Um, it was this, uh, gosh, I forget the name of it. I'll try to send you the link. You can put it in the show notes, but this guy had tons of great free resources that were really helpful. Um, and so I followed that plan and with a 12 week plan, they say, you know, you shouldn't really plan to break any records or anything, but this will get you to the finish line and help you be okay. And that was really my goal. I was like, I want to get to the finish line regardless of my time. I mean, I want it to be respectable, you know, but um, mm-hmm. I want to get to the finish line and feel good. Um, and I knew that there were things that I was going to have to do differently to make that happen. And so I signed up for the Oklahoma City Marathon again. Uh, it was just the timing worked out perfectly to be the end of April. So I knew that starting in January, I'd have to cut some weight because I knew that I was too heavy before. So I, I gave that first month to really devote myself to trying to cut weight. 
my my coach at the gym gave me a, an eating plan that really helped me and he's i mean training bodybuilders and stuff so he knows he, he's really smart and knows all, all that stuff but mm-hmm. um gave me something that really worked for me and so i followed the plan um how hard so is that cut, to follow a plan uh, like that when i mean wife three kids and all of a sudden you're trying to do this this plan that's different how difficult is that no, it wasn't so bad because it's a lot of the stuff that we eat anyway. Um, it was just certain portions at certain times, really. So it was like uh, and two eggs and four egg whites and some spinach in an omelet for breakfast. And then like a protein shake mid-morning and then six ounces of some kind of protein, some veggies and sourdough bread in it for lunch. Um, another protein shake in the afternoon and then eight ounces of protein, some rice and veggies for dinner. And then like some kind of uh, Greek yogurt for, for like a snack before bed. So those are things that we eat all the time. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, I was familiar with it and we would just cook up on weekends, you know, we just cook up a bunch of steak or a bunch of chicken or a bunch of Turkey or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we just have it and reheat it. And thankfully with my job, I'm able to come home and, and make my food at lunch and not have to go eat fast food all the time, you know? So, yeah. um, that was really helpful. And then, and it helps our whole family, you know, cause then everybody's mm-hmm. going, yeah, sweet. I'll eat some chicken and some veggies and some rice and it tastes good and we like it. And mm-hmm. so it kind of, even for the kids, it makes it a lot easier. So it wasn't yeah. too bad. It wasn't like a, a sacrifice or anything. Do you, for your protein shake, do you just, is it straight powder with, with water and milk or milk or what do you, what do you use? Do you put anything else in your shake? So, so um, I use we use a product called Redcon MRE Light, um, and it's an animal protein. Um, I found that whey protein uh, doesn't settle real well with my stomach, and so um, it's it's uh, just a powder, but it's an animal based protein. And so um, our vegans and vegetarians and, uh, uh, in the audience may not like that very much, but uh, it seems to work for me. And so yeah, mm-hmm. it's just add water. And just a shaker bottle and um, I'll, I'll have like – it's like 50 grams of protein. So it's two scoops of protein and water and it, I mm-hmm. think it tastes good. Uh, my kids, I was going to say, does it taste good? It, but I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I think cheat. it's awesome. It's I like mean I throw – I usually put protein in with milk because I figure milk will make it a little bit more – I don't know. More, I don't know if it does better than water or not. But then I like add fruit, you know. Uh yeah, you know some you, you know you whatever I can do to make Throw it taste good. I do peanut butter in there. Yep, Christiana just got mm-hmm. me like this peanut butter like natural powder stuff that is supposed to add more protein. Oh. Is it um, PB which fit? is really, I think so. Yeah. Oh, nice. sounds yeah. right. I like that stuff. I don't. It's I, it's I'm really bad at bringing stuff with me, and so it's sitting by the door for me to bring in for like a week uh but but i'll get here eventually but uh my co-worker steve was telling me that it's cheating he's like it's supposed to taste bad that's how you know it's working <laughs> uh, and so uh he gives no, me a hard said, time if it, if it doesn't taste good you're not going to eat it that's right if, exactly so so I, and i like throwing like like frozen fruit instead of using ice you know um that way it, mm-hmm. it makes it nice and cold or like if a banana's getting old you know throw a banana in there and or throw mix some spinach sure. in there as well you know so i mean i i'm just i was curious if you did anything outside of just the powder and water yeah if i was like if i wasn't at work in the in that time if i was home then i think i probably would add some fun stuff to it but i'm also like now i'm uh i'm dialing it back to just one scoop of protein so i'm only getting 25 grams because i'm trying to be in a bit more of a deficit right now um, mm-hmm. you know, after the race you're during the end of the race, you got to eat, you got to consume a lot more calories because you're burning so much and to kind of refuel everything. So when the race was over, then I was trying to kind of taper back down. Um, and then we've done some traveling and stuff. So I'm really trying to lock in to a deficit for the next, actually another 12 week window. I'm trying to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and tighten it back up. So I'm only doing one scoop of protein during my mid morning and mid afternoon, um, snacks, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's good. So uh, this this last time, kind of diving into it and taking a new strategy. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, did it restore your confidence in the marathon? Uh, where are you at? Yeah. So um, so I, I'll, I guess I'll kind of finish that story as I was training for it. Um, I was feeling really good, and I was really disciplined 
through that whole time period and just going, you know, what, 12 weeks, I can do it. Um, and I hit all my miles and, um, I did step away from our gym for that, that amount of time. And, and that was tough. I was also, <laughs> I was also in a musical that uh, during that season. So I was, I was rehearsing every evening for a musical, um, and running in the mornings and running on Saturdays and stuff. So had I, had I not had that added thing going on, um, I would have probably done more like weight training in the evenings or the afternoons. Um, and, and so, you know, next time I do this, I'll probably add that in because having added muscle is a benefit, um, to, to running that distance to try to stay strong and straight to keep your joints healthy and everything. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I did the training and, uh, my goal with the race, like I said, was just to finish feeling well, but I also had this thing in my mind to go, you know, it'd be really cool to do a four and a half hour marathon because the 2018 marathon, I ran a four hour and 45 minute marathon and it was really bad. And like mile 18, I thought they were going to leave me for dead on the course and just roll it up and, you know, say, I'll, I'll live in Oklahoma city on the streets because I can't move for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was, you know, it was, it was a, a time that I wasn't real proud of. And there's some people that would go 445. That's great. But I, I didn't feel great about it. And um, so I thought in my mind, I was like, yeah, I want to feel good, but I'd love to do four and a half hours. So, you know, speed up to, to the race and even following my plan, having that taper the last three weeks where I was running fewer and fewer miles, there was this fear in the back of my mind going, I'm going to lose all my um, my distance, you know, all my endurance that I've been training for, for three weeks, I'm not going to run those distances. I didn't understand that your body has that capacity already. And it's just healing itself so that when it's time, when it's showtime, you can, you can be at your peak performance, you know? So, um, I got to the race and started off really well. Um, there's a big crowd of people and you're in downtown Oklahoma city and, you know, music playing and it was a really exciting environment. And I looked at my watch, I, like my one and I was like, I'm, I came out way too hot. There's way too much energy here. So I spent like the next five or six miles going slow down, just slow down. Um, and really trying to manage my pace a lot more. That's something I didn't do very well on the previous race. Um, is just trying to have this number in mind, trying to get about a 10 to 10 and a half minute mile to start, um, and paying attention to my splits, which is, you know, the, the speed of the pace of each mile, I wanted to have negative splits, which means that each mile you increase uh, and get faster and faster. Um, so I, I had that in my mind and thought, okay, I, I need to start slow enough so that I can increase my speed by the end. Cause I've, it's a long, you know, 26.2 miles. I got to do this mm-hmm. for quite some time now. And so in my mind, you know, four and a half hours would be really cool. I get to about mile 19 or so and I'm pushing it. I'm like running about a nine minute mile. And I thought, you know what? If I haven't died by now, I can probably Mm -hmm. keep this up. And so I thought I'm just going to keep going and kept running. And and Oklahoma City has this, uh, these really beautiful neighborhoods you run through. So I was able to be distracted looking at all the neat homes and stuff. And then there was a really, a pretty, a significant downhill. So I was just striding out on these downhills. I, I hit Megan was looking at my pace and she was like, I hit like an eight and a half minute mile on mile 23 or something like that. It was just crazy. Um, and then there's a steady incline for two miles where you're just going slow and steady. And that, it was just a mind game at that point in time um, where you just got to keep going. So I just got to go one foot in front of the other and keep moving and not think about how, how much it's a bummer right now. And, uh, when it was all said and done, um, I came around the corner on this last straightaway and just was sprinting with all I had, which looked, um, it looked funny cause it, I didn't have much left in the tank. So it wasn't much of a sprint, but in my mind I was going very fast. And so, yes. uh, <laughs> I finished, finished it at four hours and uh, about 14 minutes, um, mm. which was, you know, beat my previous time. The first marathon time was 15 minutes faster than I had hoped to be like in my secret goal. Um, and by the end, I mean, sure my feet hurt, my knees hurt, but I felt really, really good. Um, and, uh, I I had a different fueling strategy this time. I didn't use goo. Um, I was trying to pay attention to my hydration, rehydration as well and my electrolytes and stuff. And so I used a product called tailwind, um, which is like, it's a, it's a liquid, uh, you mix it with water. Um, so it's like a powder, you mix it with water and it's a, um, it's a carb source, but it also has, uh, electrolytes in it to help replenish a lot of what you're losing through sweat. 
And so Megan would meet me every five miles. She'd have a new shaker bottle for me. Um, she'd pass it off and I would, I would drink it. And the next mile I'd hand it off to her. And then, so four miles later, she'd hand me another one. And, um, so that was really great to have her and the kids as my team to help me with my fueling. But I felt like, man, it was so, it was a total game changer to have that. Um, I felt good. My stomach felt good, which sometimes with the goo uh, product, it, it just, it kind of sits heavy in your stomach. Um, and on these marathons, it's crazy because people are out in front of their houses handing out food, like they're handing out mimosas and beer and uh, donuts and <laughs> it's for the walkers. It's crazy. And I guess, and the first first time I was like, sweet, free food, I'll just take everything. Um, but this time I was, I, I followed the mantra, nothing new on race day. Um, that's what I kept reading over and over again. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything new outside of what I trained. I'm just going to stick with it. And so uh, by the end, yeah, it, it the method proved itself. Um, and I walked away from it going, you know what? It was totally my fault before. And there are ways to do this to feel really good at the end. And so now my, my sights are set on, oh my gosh, I, what else could I do next? You know, could I do a faster, could I do mm-hmm. a sub four hour marathon? Could I do a triathlon? Could I, you know, what, what's the next thing for me? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm optimistic about it that whatever I do, I'm going to, I'm going to train for it properly and it's going to mm-hmm. be a great experience. So do you it, have it an idea of awesome. something that you'd so like think, to do? Oh yeah, I've um, I've thought about uh, do I've thought about doing triathlon for a while, and it's funny because I'll think really heavy about them when I'm driving somewhere for a significant amount of time. Like we were in Mexico over spring break, and on the way back, I was like going, "Yeah, I could totally do a triathlon. I could do an Ironman, you know, which is like a full marathon. You swim like five miles and ride a bike for a hundred miles or something like that." And uh, and then I when I got home, I thought about the reality of that. I was like, that sounds miserable. No way I want to do that. <laughs> but I think like an Olympic triathlon, uh, an Olympic distance where it's like you run a half marathon, you swim a mile, you ride like 50 miles or something like that. Um, I feel like that would be something fun to challenge myself to try to do. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah. And, 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 you know, my kids are at the age to where I, I don't want to spend a ton of time I don't want to take a lot of time away from what we're doing. You know, our evenings are pretty mm-hmm. booked. And so I don't, I don't, I feel like there will be a season where I could invest a lot more time into something like that. But for now, I mean, I'll be 40 next year. And so maybe mm-hmm. doing a triathlon when I'm 40 years old would be pretty fun, but mm-hmm. not an Ironman or any ultra yeah. marathons or anything. Yeah. Those aren't interesting to me. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, I mean, for me, when I, like I said, when it comes to running, it's never something that I'm like, Ooh, That'll be fun. I always felt like actually, because we would go on, there'd be like pastor retreats and, uh, you know, especially all of the Barkley guys, if they were there, it's like, hey, we're going running. I'm like, well, I'm kind of the odd man out. You guys have fun. And they're like, come on, it'll be great. And I'm like, mm, good. You know, uh, it just, it never appealed to me, you know. And so I, I'm curious, uh, what is... What is the draw for you when it comes to running? Because it, you, you're, I mean, you have to be in it, right? Your heart has to go, yes, I love this, or else there's, there's no way that you're going to – I mean, it, it's, it goes beyond the challenge, right? There has to be some sort of joy there that, that you're drawn to. Um, and then in those challenging moments when it feels like, man, I don't know how I can continue, uh, where does your mind go? Mm-hmm. Those are good questions. Um, I think that uh, some people are – um, community runners where they love to have someone with them to, you know, to keep them company, to talk to them and stuff. I'm not that guy. Um, I would much rather just run by myself. And I you think shut up. I'm running a race. A <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is my, uh, my introvert side. I'm a bit of an ambivert, I think, or maybe leaning more towards being an introvert to where I just like the, a what introvert and ambivert. Ambivert, you call- where you're both introvert oh, okay. and extrovert. I was kind of like yeah, ambidextrous. Like amb- ambidextrous. Got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm tracking. I'm um, there. <laughs> An so, ambivert. Yeah, I like the the solitude to it, and um, I call. I I don't listen to music when I run. I listen to audio books or podcasts, and so if it's a book that I really am enjoying and look forward to listening to, then I can't wait to get out and run. Um, and to have that time to do that. And I, I typically, you know, I go early in the morning before everybody's awake. And uh, it's just a good, a good thing that I really love. Now, and I also feel like 
I'm just naturally kind of good at it. Like I'm not going to run the Boston Marathon. I'm not that kind of an a, an endurance athlete, but it's always been just kind of the thing that I can do, and I feel good about that. And so that's part of a draw too. Is that it's something that I feel like I can be successful at, and it's. I don't know if it feels exclusive because there's like what, like less than 1% of the population has run a marathon or something. And then the more you run, the less, you know, the smaller that gets. And so it feels a little bit um, like, Hey, it's something special. You know, I'm, I'm part of, of a group that is, you know, not everybody. And so that feels kind of neat. But yeah, definitely. I like the solitude and I like, I I like running in new places and seeing new things and, um, and then, like when I've gone back to places like Oklahoma City or um, you know places that I've run uh, other races and stuff, like being able to look around and go, oh, I remember that. I remember that turn. I remember where I saw that place and thought, oh, that mm-hmm. you know that looks cool, or it just triggers a fun memory for me. So as mm-hmm. some people might say it's sick. You know, my my wife does not like distance running whatsoever, um, and so uh, you know it's not for everybody. But I, I feel like it's kind of my thing now. Yeah, that's cool. So and then. The second part of that was uh, the challenge. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of pushing against it. You're fighting with your own self. Uh, what do you do in those moments? How do you push through? Yeah, um, I think a big thing that helps me is distraction, um, being distracted from the pain or the, the boredom. I mean, it does get to a point where it's just boring to be running for, you know, three and a half hours, Five minutes. four hours. I mean, three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you have something that is stimulating, whether it's a book or a podcast, that's helpful. Um, another thing is that I, I don't feel like, um, you know, pe- people who have not run those distances, they a lot of times think that it's like, you just got to go fast and your body's just going to get so tired. Well, really the key is to just go slower. You know, when you're, if you feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm just not going to make it, you're either going too fast or you've been going so long you need some fuel to keep going. Um, you should, they say you should be able to run a conversational pace uh, for a long time. And so as long as you can keep a conversation going, and that's different for everybody, um, but it, it, shouldn't, it doesn't necessarily have to hurt so bad and get to that point where it's like, I just got to push through this. You know? um, for me, from my experience, if I get to that point, that means I'm probably going too fast. Um, so just mm-hmm. slow down or eating wrong. You're eating wrong. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. that cheeseburger is just sitting in mm-hmm. the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't grab the Carl's jr. At the end of this last race. Not this one. Not this one. I gave all the food they gave me to my kids. Cause I knew I yeah. had this delicious oatmeal waiting for me afterwards. Mm-hmm. I do like a nice oatmeal. <laughs> That's oh good. yeah. It was like my treat every week after my long runs on Saturdays. It's oats, uh, hemp seeds, chia seeds, uh, frozen blueberries, a scoop of protein, mm-hmm. almond butter, and then uh, a couple strawberries and a banana, some pure maple syrup. It's like carb heaven, and it's mm-hmm. just unreal. It's so, yeah. so good. Are you it. still rocking the chai tea? Every day, man. Yeah. I have one this morning. <laughs> but I've changed it up a little bit. So. You know, I used to always do like the concentrate, like you get at Starbucks or whatever, the chai latte. But now I do uh, more like a London Fog. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with those, where it's brewed, it's brewed tea with um, with some steamed milk in it, and then I do sugar free vanilla. So I do fat free, yep. uh, uh, Fair Life milk. So it's like it's uh, dairy something. I, I don't know, lactose-free, that's what yeah. it is. So, I mean, it's still a cow. But, yeah. Um, so I do fat-free milk, sugar-free vanilla, and it's like 80 calories, and it's just my treat. It's yeah. the thing that I Christiana that holds was, onto my soul. Christiana was a barista uh, for a little bit, and so she was, oh. she was bringing home the London Fog. I like the London Fog, Ooh. but I, I hate chai tea. Like, she'll try to sneak chai really? into something. Oh yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> oh man. You poor so guy. yeah, she she's done it. She'll be like, "You gotta try this," and I'm like, "Does this have chai in it?" And she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> she's like, "How did you know?" She, I think that she thinks I'm just being stubborn because I want to refuse to like chai tea, and I'm like, "No, I, I legit don't like how it tastes." Uh, it's funny because Megan's kind of that way with coffee with me. Like she's like, "I wish you liked coffee," and I'm like, "I mm-hmm. wish I liked coffee too," but I feel like it tastes terrible. 
And she's like, someday, someday, maybe we'll drink coffee together. I'm like, Mm -hmm. when I already have a hot drink that I know I love, I really Mm -hmm. struggle with giving that up for like 90 days to try to like something I don't like right Mm -hmm. now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Here's the thing, though, is Christiana doesn't really like coffee either. But once she started learning about coffee and learning about Mm -hmm. uh, like what like some companies out there do to their beans to ruin it. Um, it they, like if it tastes burnt, they didn't do it right, you know. So people are like, oh, I don't like coffee because it tastes burned, well, or it tastes bitter. Uh, and there's always going to be a, uh, some of that bitterness to it. But when it's done right, uh, there's this drip coffee that I had recently that I didn't have to put any sugar in it or cream at all because it just tasted so good just the bean and i'm like mm. normally like yeah give me some some creamer you know at least some cream just to kind of thicken it up a little bit um and definitely some sort of mm-hmm. sugar um but i was like man this is really really good and uh it turns out that the guy is roasting his own beans and he's doing it uh in a way that that is the right way to do it so i don't know uh i would say don't give up on your endeavor but i'm with you too uh you know if i go to a restaurant <laughs> You know, eight times out of ten, I'm ordering chicken something because I just know I'm going to like it. And, you know, I get I always get a hard time. Why are you eating? Why are you eating chicken? And I'm like, well, because it's not as, as it's not as expensive as the steak. And I know that it's going to be good. So so back yeah. off. Let yeah. me have my chicken. Oh, man. Well, Dave, it's so good to connect with you. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen your face, uh, you know, in a really long time. And so it's really good to actually see your face. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if you had one encouraging word to say to someone, maybe they're thinking about running a marathon or maybe they've never thought about mar- running a marathon and there's something that you say, you know, what, what's that encouraging word you'd give to someone to say, this is why you should do this or this is this, – this is, I don't know, whatever you might want to say to somebody. Yeah, I think that um, I would say you can do it. You know, um, I, I believe anybody can do it, uh, can run an endurance race, whatever whatever distance it is. Um, and, I, you know, I, everybody's at a different starting place. Um, some people uh, are not, you know, haven't done much of that at all. Um, but if you, if you put in the time and you – follow the advice of people who have gone before you who are way smarter, um, who are going to kind of not that aren't just out for your money, you know, but they really care about your well-being. Finding those people to help guide you along um, is really crucial. And then just give yourself time and put in the work um, and then you'll be able to accomplish it. I really believe you can. Yeah. The last thing I heard or I guess the one takeaway that I have for me is also building that team around you. Um, and it sounds like you have a good community mm-hmm. of people. Obviously, your wife and your kids, you know, they were your support system through that race. And I saw that, you know, as they were posting stuff as you were running. Uh, and I just remember seeing the joy on your face. That's why, I, you know, uh, I brought it up in the conversation the one time because I saw it. And it just looked like you were having a good time. And so um, I, I, I guess that's my takeaway is if you're going to do something like this, make sure you have a, a good team of, of people around you to support you and, and do it. And so, uh, but Dave, man, it's so good. Like I said, to see you good to talk with you, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, it, it's always good uh, to be with you. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your, your friends, your family, share it with someone who is thinking about doing a marathon run, uh, hit us a comment. Maybe you you've run marathons and you have some other tips and would like to, to share those tips with us. Make sure to post those down in the comments as well Uh, but this is the strong by design podcast i'm jared haley so good to be with you guys we'll catch you next time thank you so much for listening to the strong by design podcast if you found value in today's episode please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show plus you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you 